You're now listening to episode 13, Cold Up North podcast. If you haven't done so already, go to the social accounts. The link is in the description. Taste to the Twitter, the Instagram account. Make sure you follow both of those for me. Episode 13. Couple of topics I got sent to me. I am going to try and get to them, but I want to start this episode off by talking about the madness that happened at the O2 Brixton event last week. Bit of context, bit of context. So there's an artist, an artist that I'm, I'm not actually familiar with. Trust me, I know my music, but I'm not in the room with these guys that are talking about this particular artist. There's an artist called Asake or Ashake, I think his name is, I'm not sure on the pronunciation. But he comes over, he puts on a couple of shows. He does one in Birmingham. Apparently that didn't do too well. There was a lot of complaints about that, but whatever, it is what it is. Then he does free London dates. He puts out a, a, a thing, I'm doing free London dates. Um, there's, there's, The tickets sell quick, five seconds each night. Five seconds, the tickets are gone. Stormzy level. Yeah, you, you log in, the tickets are sold out within five minutes or whatever. <clears throat> so, obviously the tickets are sold out. I don't know the capacity for O2 Brixton, but I'm going to summarize and guess and say it's about a 5K, maybe just under capacity, yeah? Us as black people, I say us, when I refer to us, any time I'm talking on this podcast in the next however many minutes here, I'm talking about us as black people. We're an embarrassment sometimes. We're an embarrassment sometimes. We're an embarrassment. For those that don't know, a woman who was at that event last week so if, let me go back a minute. First night, calm, nothing happened. Second night, the event takes place or it starts to take place. Artist comes on stage, does two songs. Show gets locked off. The reason the show gets locked off is because outside the venue, there's a multiple crowd of people. Now, some of those people probably had actual tickets, genuine tickets to get into the venue. I've done that before where I've gone to a show, you turn up a bit late or you've, you you have pre-drinks before, you you turn up to the, the event just before main events on. You don't turn up for the for the um, supporting that sometimes or whatever, or you just turn up, right? So as the show's gone on, there's people descending outside. Now, I can guarantee you most of those people outside Never had tickets. But they're outside the venue trying to get into the venue. There's been talk and rumours that some people um, were cloning tickets. So, you know, if you use the QR code, it's already been used when you get to the front. You could have a genuine ticket, but someone could have cloned your ticket and they're in the venue. And you're outside still with a genuine ticket. So you're pissed off now. Because these tickets, if you if you if you've paid resale, you're not paying face value, so you're paying more over the odds than what you should be paying for the ticket anyway. Now, if that's happened, 
Of course, you're going to be pissed off. But outside the O2 Brixton, the venue, there's thousands. People have reported there was thousands of people outside the venue. As I said, a large percentage that did not have a ticket had no reason to be there. If you want to go to something, it doesn't matter who it is or what it is. If you really want to go to something, if Jay-Z said tomorrow, I'm doing a show in this place, trust me, everything in my power, I'm going to go to the show. Now, if I don't get a ticket, I ain't going to the venue. Do you get what I mean? I'm not going to the venue. What am I going there for? But if he puts on a show, right, and someone's selling resale and it's a legitimate ticket and it's a legitimate price, a good price, I'm going to pay for the piece because I want to go see Jay-Z. I'm not going to turn up to the venue with no with no ticket, no intention to buy a ticket at the venue and force my way through them doors and force my way through them doors because someone's lost their life over this a mum who has two young kids has lost their life over what I can only call ignorance stupidity ignorance of some people the entitlement to think that they can just go to a venue where people have paid hard earned money in the climate that we're in go into a venue and cause a stampede and cause mad chaos in a venue locked off the show for people that just genuinely wanted to go to the venue before Christmas selfish people that have gone to the venue made a ruckus and a massive altercation outside the venue that's put random people that they don't know at risk. People are going to talk to me later on in the week and tell me, but the Euros, they were fighting there and at football matches, they fight there. I don't care. Because you see the way that the the media portray that and the, the way that the media are trying to portray this situation here they're going to do the two things differently. And I don't need to tell you why they're going to do that. Do you get what I'm saying? So when we do these things, we have to help ourselves in this country, 100%. We already know that. If you're black, your mum, your dad would have told you, you have to work harder, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do everything differently to the white person because a white person is in a different part of the world to us. They're looked at and their perception is totally different to ours. So when you do something mad and act like animals, they're going to call you animals. Do you get what I'm saying? If you haven't got a ticket, why are you at the venue? If you don't have a ticket, why are you at the venue? What? You're at the venue? For what? What are you doing at the venue? Listen, a young mum, she was 33 years of age. There's three other people that I believe are still in critical condition in hospital. But a young mum has lost her life. A 
two kids have lost their mum. How can people go home after that, knowing they had no ticket, knowing they didn't need to be there, go home and live life? Because those lot really, there should be an M case. And, and there was a, a, a night after, there was a, a show on after, the day after. So like the Thursday, Friday last week, there should have been another show that had to get cancelled. So people who paid hard-earned money for that show, that night, they never got to see their thing either. Because now, you're not, you're not just talking about a bit of chaos, you're talking about a murder crime scene. It's a crime scene. Because she was murdered, like, let's be real. When people do all this protesting and, do you know what I mean, it's, it's hard for the black man, it's hard for the black woman, but then when we do things like this, and we're not ready for these conversations because when people say this now, they go, oh, you're a coon, you're this, you're that, you don't like your own people. No, I do, I love my own people. But you see, when you do things like this, black, brown, purple, or blue gets called out as simple as that. I don't care what your race is. Simple. When it was the World Cup, I said the same thing. But you see, when it's us, everything is magnified by 100%. A hundred percent. Why would you go, like, anyone who can, like, in the comments or whatever, I might be mad because surely when you go to a venue, you got a ticket or you're at the venue because you want to buy a ticket. Do you get what I mean? You don't go to the venue, you rush the doors. And this ain't the first time this has happened. I know O2 Brixton's got a, a reputation for it, but this has happened up and down the country. When I was growing up, I used to do MC and I used to DJ. I used to be an MC a lot, go up and down the country. There was times when I saw people rush the doors. And this is where I'm going to get on to the next bit because I've seen a couple of people saying, but this is why you need more security and this is why you need more policing and this is why the venue should have been bigger. How about anybody that never had a ticket you shouldn't be at the fucking venue and then you go home, you stay in your yard because you haven't got a ticket. How about that? Because we're all quick to blame security and I get it for the Travis Scott thing. Do you get what I'm saying? Like we, someone tried to compare it to the Travis Scott um, Astro World Festival to me at the weekend. And I'm like, you can't compare the two. And here's why. The Astro World one was a large area that needed to be to be policed and, and had the right sufficient level of security. It never had that. Yeah, it never had that. And it overcapacitated the venue. Yeah. So then there was people getting crushed and people dying. Yeah. Totally different. They didn't have the sufficient level of security at that venue. So the Astro World that was over two days or however long it was, they needed more security. So that planning, at the planning stage of that, they didn't factor in contingency for if we overcapacitate or if people sneak in. Yeah, totally different. And as well, it's easier to sneak into a festival than it is to a venue. Let's just have that right as well. Not saying that they should do that, but you have to plan for that as a contingency for security. So that's security's fault. When you factor in that you're in a, a capacity of what, three, four thousand people, you don't factor in that 10,000 people might try and get to this venue. You don't factor in. You've already put in. So that venue, 
was already putting in the, the right number of security, the right number of um, police that need to be there, catering staff, all the other stuff that you need, whatever, hosts, whatever, for the drinks or whatever. All of that's factored in. So at their planning stage, they shouldn't think, for me anyway, they don't need, they don't, they don't even need to think about, oh, we might need to get 20 other security in for this or 20 for five for this and this and that. They shouldn't have to think like that. They planned for the venue to hold as many people as it needed to do, maybe even for an extra couple of hundred, but they, they must have factored that in. Do you get what I'm saying? If none of these people turned up to the venue, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. Do you get what I'm saying? So we as black people have got to do better. We've got to do better. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, what did people think they were going to achieve by going to the venue, rushing the door, causing mayhem, and then someone's lost their life over it? Someone who just went out to a venue to see something they probably wanted to see and go home back to their kids. They've lost their life over this. I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel because... You know, when you look back on it, someone should be held accountable for this. All those people that rushed the doors, you should hold, be held accountable for all of this. Do you get what I'm saying? You need to be held accountable because the problem is that when you don't, these things keep happening again and again and again. You can't just go home and you know that you was one of the reasons why someone got stamped, stamped on, got crushed or whatever, whatever the case is. And you go home back to your family, but there's two kids now that haven't got a mum. We got to do better. Got to do better. As simple as that, we got to do better. Do you get what I'm saying? And people are saying, but anyone that's calling for, 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 for more security and all that, you know what? Security is there to do a job. They've done that on the night. That was to keep the, the people that were inside safe as much as possible. And then people talk about the more policing. Well, let's just have it like this. If you haven't got a ticket, don't turn up to the venue. If you haven't got a ticket, don't turn up to the venue. If you notice sometimes, right, there's certain things like, I don't know, you, you'll see an event and it says, no ticket, no entry. People had to start putting that on the, on the flyers back in the day when I used to MC. No ticket, no entry. Because people used to take the piss. People used to rush the doors, rush the bouncer, push past the bouncer, running, and then they're in. And it's dangerous because a building, a venue is only... It's only meant to have so many people. Do you get what I'm saying? We see that. We saw it with the football. We can take it back to Hillsborough if we want. We saw that with Hillsborough. The amount of people that were in the stadium was way too many than it needed to be. And look what happened there. Do you get what I mean? Like, ignorance, man. 
Ignorance. It's not just black people, but you see when it's my people, I have to speak on it. I have to speak. Do you think I, I don't give a shit about football and the fights that take place there and the Wembley situation at the Euros? I couldn't give a shit because they're not my people. But you see when it's my people, them. You got to speak up. Because we're all quick to praise this person, that person when they're doing well. But when we fuck up, we got we to gotta speak on the fuck ups as well. People blaming the promoter. What? The promoter? The promoter that done his job? Are you blaming the promoter? Are you blaming security? You can't blame any of those people. The people that you have to blame, and I'm talking to the people that was there that night, is... You lot, you go and look in the mirror and blame yourself. You lot. And not all of you, because from what I've been told, there was legitimate people that had tickets outside the venue. They couldn't get in. But you know the ones I'm talking to, the ones that had no intention, no ticket, nothing. Like I seen a video of some woman just stood there, she slaps the policeman in his face. Like what are you proving by doing that? Like, some people just went there to cause a, 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 a riot. Do you get what I mean? Like, they just went there to be, to aggravate things. In a situation where the police don't even like us as it is, you went there to aggravate people. You went there to cause more problems for people, and they don't even like us as it is. And then when they're, 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 they're pushing up against us in, in, in the middle of the street, and they're trying to just shoot an unarmed black man, I'm not saying that's all right. What I'm saying is we got to act right. Do you know what I'm saying? We've got to do that because then we can't give them excuses to shoot us. Do you get what I mean? We can't sit on one hand and say, oh, do you know, but they, they arrest us for nothing and they, they do this to us and then they shoot us and do this and do that. And then on the next side of things, on the next side, we're outside Brixton Academy trying to cause a ruckus, slapping up the policeman in his face. who probably deserved it, but that's another day, another story. And then trying to do all these mad things and then get someone killed in the process of doing that and then go home and then go, oh yeah, but they, they, they arrest us for nothing. What? You can't have the same glove on the same hand. Do you get what I mean? Doesn't make sense, man. Doesn't make sense to me. But listen, we got to do better as people. I had to cover that. Because, you know what I'm saying? It's a bit mad. But I want to talk about the Harry Meghan Netflix thing. Halfway through it, someone's asked me to talk about it. When I talk about it, I'm going to tell you what I think. So far... Like, I like Harry. I think he's the only royal. I don't even know if he's a royal anymore. But if he's not a royal, then I like Harry. Do you get what I'm saying? I think he's, I think he's, I think he's different from all the others. And I think with him, he realized what his mum, what his mum went through, that that could easily happen to him. It could easily happen to him because he's the outsider to them. Even more so now that he's got mixed race kids and that his wife isn't white. He's the outsider to them. I'm only two episodes into the first part of the Netflix documentary, but from what I've seen, 
And I get what people say about Megan. I'm going to be honest. Like I do get what people say that she's kind of probably manipulated him to an extent to make him feel like he has to stay away from his own family. But I think they helped by doing that, by pushing him away anyway. Do you get what I mean? Like, I think, I think he probably needed to get away from the family, but I think she cottoned onto that. I thought, right, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that you're not with that family and that you move to the other side of the world. And he was probably happy to do that. He looks happy. He seems happy. But I think maybe in 10, 15 years to come, when he realizes that he's missed out on certain things in his own family, he might think, right, maybe I wish I had, I'll tell you what it will be. Maybe when his kids are slightly older, will they have a relationship with their family? Like his brother's kids or his, his cousins, do you know what I'm saying? Like, will they all have that close knit family like the others will? You might think about it then like that. You might think, oh, I wish I was a bit closer to my brother and our kids were closer. But he might not. He might not. He might be happy to still live in Toronto or LA, wherever they live right now. But in terms of the documentary, you can tell that they're, they're just a, like, they're just together, aren't it? They're just, they know what they want to do. They know that they've got a pact and they know that they have to stick together. And what I rate about Harry is that no matter what, he's got his wife's back. It don't even matter. She could probably do something mad and he'd still back her. He'd still have her back. And that's when you know that you've got that loyalty with someone there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you can just, you could, you know that whatever you say or do, even if the person that you're with you don't 100% agree with what they're saying or what they're doing. As long as they know that you, they've got your back and you've got their back and vice versa, you're, you're, you're good to go. And I think he's that person. And she does that for him. They both eat they both each other's spines. Do you get what I'm saying? Like they both have each other's back simple. And they keep it simple as well. And I, lo- I love that about them. Um, the way that the second episode ended... You can tell that the third one, hopefully, they're gearing up for the press bit now. Because all, the, the, all they've been building up so far is to the press wasn't leaving Meghan alone or Harry alone uh, when they first got together. Like Even in the second episode, the way they were saying she was from Compton and um, her mum lived in Skid Row, all these mad things. like They just, the press here, if, if you needed a reason or you need a reason to understand why the press here are racist, please just watch that. Please watch episode two because episode two will give you the whole reason why this media in this country is racist. I don't think people remember the Danny, Danny Baker thing where he called the, 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 the Harry and Meghan's uh, baby a monkey. He had a monkey picture on Twitter. He lost his job and he got reinstated in the same job. Like this country is filled with races and it goes back to what I was talking about in terms of the O2 stuff. We don't need to give people a reason to be racist to us because they're racist to us anyway. We don't need to help them and aid them by letting them just be racist to us. We don't need to give them any fuel for the fire. You get what I'm saying? They've already got the fuel themselves. Um, But no, it's a good, good documentary so far. You can tell that Harry... Definitely felt like his mum played a massive part. Even though his mum wasn't in his life growing up, you can tell that his mum's had a massive, massive um, 
she's had like a massive, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, man, impact on his life. Do you get what I'm saying? Like you can tell that he is his mum's child. Whereas the other one, what's his name? William, Will, he's his dad all over. Looks, personality, everything. Do you get what I'm saying? So you can see that he's the black, Harry's the black sheep of the family. No pun intended, but you get what I'm saying? Like he's the guy that people are trying to make an example out of. Meanwhile, Epstein's little friend, Andrew, is still out and about. He's still out and about. No one ain't saying shit about him. No one ain't saying shit about him. The way that the the way that they, they they've covered that story up and he's suddenly just disappeared is a madness to me. You know, even now, even up till now, now that this documentary's come out, people are still writing about us. The whole thing she's talking about in the the the, the, the documentary, the press is still doing. Like she said at one point, the press was in her house trying to break into her house. They had to change the whole set on suits where she was filming because people were trying to literally like get into her trailer. Like that's like that's stalking. Like that's stalking. That's, that's mental. Like I was watching episode two and I was thinking, I don't think I could cope with this level of like um, lack of privacy. Like I could not deal with it. Like I like my, I'm too private to not have privacy, man. And do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even like to have my blinds or my, my, do- my front door open for too long in case someone sees into my house. Like I'm that private. Do you get what I'm saying? And people that are saying, ah, oh, but they, they want, they want privacy, but then they're doing documentaries and this and that. Yeah. Because you know what? You get to choose your own narrative about how you are and the thing with both of them is that neither of them have had the opportunity to be their own people and everything we've known about Megan and, and Harry is through the press and you know and if it was me if I could cope with that level of lack of invasion of privacy if it, if it was me I'd want to tell my story my way as well and I'd be doing everything. We don't know whether the, the royal family are the ones that are spilling all this to the press. We don't know that. Trying to, to, to blackball her and, and, and try and put her down. We don't know that. It could just be the royal family saying, put this story out, put that story out, put this story out. Do you know what I mean? They got power. Let's, let's not forget, as much as they don't, we don't think they do anything for the country, or I don't think they do anything for the country, they've still got a lot of power. The most powerful family in the world, probably, and do you get what I'm saying? So when we talk about it like that, trust me, like I can only imagine and I, I bet you any money, the documentary probably had to go through the royal family. They probably had to see the whole, or someone, not not talking about like flipping the king or whatever, but someone would have had to watch that whole documentary and say, no, you're not having that bit in, take that bit out, make sure that's changed or dropped that bit out can't put that in there do you get what I'm saying because you can tell as much as Harry thinks he's free he's not free not free he's not free he won't he won't ever be free from that family and he won't ever like they won't ever live a normal life watching those just them two episodes I think there's another four to go they're never gonna have a normal life or be free 
do you get what I mean? Like they're never going to be free. So I do feel sorry for them. And I do kind of get to an extent where people are saying, but you know, they want privacy and they're doing this. I do get that bit, but I think they do have to tell their own story as well. I think they have to come out and I think they have to tell their truths because if they don't, the press are going to just keep trying to give them their truths and their truths are bullshit apparently. So why not? Why not let them spread their own truths and tell their own story in their own way, from their own words, from their own mouth? I agree with that a hundred and million percent. Do you get what I'm saying? So I think I get that side of it and I, I, I like that side of it, but I do get the bit where, you know, hopefully after this, or after this Netflix thing now, they just go and settle down somewhere, man, and just do an Obama. Just, you don't really see Obama anymore. You see his wife now. You just let them just go and chill. Do you know what I'm saying? Go chill somewhere. Do you know what I'm saying? You'll be happy without that family and just raise your kids, man. Just enjoy enjoy your life. But yeah, that's that's crazy, man. That's crazy. But the last one that someone's asked me to to talk about, um, someone said to me, based on Gunner and Young Fog, do you think snitching is okay? Do I think snitching is okay? It depends on the circumstances. Like I'm not, I'm probably the worst person to ask because I don't really, I'm, I'm never going to be in that position where I need to answer this. But I think it's funny because you always see people saying, free this man, free that man, large up this man. This is my ends. Da, 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 and all of these things. And then as soon as shit hits the fan, they're in court, they're looking at, because Rico is a mad charge, let's be real. Like, if you're on a Rico charge, that's a mad charge to be on. Um, yeah, it's a mad charge. Like, I don't even know how you get off them. But yeah, Rico charges, and even over here, like, if you're on like a joint enterprise kind of, I don't even know if that's a thing anymore, but joint enterprise used to be like a, I don't know, you're involved in something like a robbery and then the, you're the driver of the car. I think I covered this on, on a flipping episode, actually, early, early doors, probably episode two or three. But if you're the driver and you're involved in a robbery and you, you've literally just driven the car from the robbery, you might get the same sentence as the man with the gun in the bank holding up people in, in as, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, Rico, all of them things, it's only when people's lives are on the line that they start singing. Do you get what I'm saying? I can't even imagine what it must be like if if you're being interrogated for 12 hours straight they're only letting you have water then on the 11th hour they say listen you can get whatever meal you want we'll give you a cigarette you see when you see a man light up a cigarette and he's got a, a big Burger King meal in front of him he's going to tell everything trust me trust me he's going to tell you everything because he's got the big meal in front of him and he's got the cigarette right there. You get what I'm saying? And when they say, what drink do you want? What's your favorite drink? We'll get you that. Because trust me, uh, when you're in that mindset, you've been interrogated time and time and time again. Or even if you're in court, if you're in court and you're looking at 35, 40 years in prison, that's a long time. That's your life in prison. And if someone can say to you, listen, if you just give us this information, just this little bit of information will let you will let you go, or we'll give you a suspended, or we'll give you a uh, we'll we'll do you a plea. 
you mean? Someone says that to you, what are you doing? That's the question I've got to the listeners, actually. If you're in that situation and they're offering you a, a, a deal, they're offering you a way out, you might, you might do two years, you've already done one and a half, the judge might let you out on a good behaviour thing, but you've got to drop your other people in it and they're looking at 30 years, 40 years in prison. Are you taking that deal? Are you going to take it or are you going to ride the 40 years out with the mandem? And this is what I say to youngers all the time. The younger generation, I always say to them, just know your surroundings, man. Know who you're around. You might think they're your brethren, but they're not really. Because when push comes to shove, everybody's a dog-eat-dog world when it comes to push coming to the shove. Everybody wants to get out and everybody wants to go home. Do you know what I'm saying? So you have to think of it like that, in my opinion. Do you want to go home or do you want to look hard and bad in prison? Do you want to look hard and bad in prison? Or do you want to go home to your family? Because I know which one I'm going to do. Do you know what I'm saying? I know what I'm going to do. And I ain't sitting in no cell for nobody. If I've done the thing, then of course I take the crime. I do the time. Simple. But if I'm trying to, do you know what I'm saying, defend someone, no, man. I'm going home to my kids. I'm going home to my kids, bro. Forget all that. So I don't know much about the young fuck, the gunner stuff. I don't know much about that. But what I do know is that if it was me, and I was in his situation, I'd probably do the same thing. I'd probably do the same thing. Do you know what I'm saying? As long as I'm not, if I've done something and I'm involved in the thing, then no, not at all. But if I'm just by accessory and I'm just sat there because, you know what I mean, my name's been mentioned or something or I'm in documents or whatever, you just link me to the, to the crime, but I'm not actually there to do nothing. I ain't done anything. Then I'm going home. But you think I'm going to sit in 40 years for something I ain't done? You are crazy. That's where some people, when they say the lawyer to the soil, that's when the real, there's only two times you can test a man when he's, when he's in court and he's looking at a mad charge or when there's money on the table. And that's when you realize who your true friends are. Do you get what I mean? So would I take the plea? Would I take the deal? Probably, yeah, I would. Because I want to come home. <laughs> I want to look, I want to look guilty at home. I can't remember, I think it was Chris Rock that said that. One of his stand-ups, man. He wants to look guilty at home. I mean, I want to look guilty at home, man. That's why you hire Johnny Cochran and them, man. But I don't know about the case. I don't know about the Megan Stallion and then Tory Lane. I don't know about none of that. I'm, 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 yeah, wrong side of 30 to care about people's lives like that. But this has been episode 13. It's the last one before Christmas. Christmas on Sunday. Lots of food and drink and all the rest of it. So I hope everyone has a blessed Christmas and enjoys the vibes, gets drunk in a reasonable, responsible fashion and all of that stuff. And yeah, man, we're going to touch more on this on the other side. We're going to have a different format. I know I've been saying it for 13 episodes now, but I'm going to get some guests on this podcast a thousand percent. If you want to be a co-host on the podcast, you want to be a co-host, then just DM me, shout me, looking for co-hosts, looking for guests, all of that stuff as well. Make sure you follow the socials as well. Cold Up North Podcast, episode 13. We're out, man. Done. <laughs>